Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Scott Miller about transformational insights and becoming a master mentor. Scott Miller, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Jonathan, thank you for the platform and the spotlight. Delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have a nice conversation with you today. We're going to be exploring this idea of transformational insights, ultimately trying to better understand how we can become a master mentor, impacting ourselves, of course, and the lives uh, of those around us and within our workplace. Uh, As we get started, I wanted to share... Scott's bio with everybody, capping a 25-year career in which he served as Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President. Scott Miller is currently Franklin Covey Senior Advisor on Thought Leadership, leading the strategy, development, and publication of the firm's best-selling books. Now, I could go on and on and on, Scott, about your background, uh, but I want to give you a chance to share with listeners anything you would specifically like to highlight or share just by way of your background and context. That's gracious. So as you mentioned, 25 years at the Franklin Covey Company, lived around the world with the firm, was an executive officer for about a decade. Uh, Let's see, I write a column for Inc. Magazine each week. I, like you, am privileged to host a leadership podcast uh, called On Leadership with Scott Miller, now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. Hits between six and seven million each Tuesday. I'm a four-time author and many many more books in the works. I host a new podcast we're launching called C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller coming in January. Most importantly, I'm a dad to three young boys that are six, eight, and 11 about with my wife, Stephanie. We live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and delighted to be here today to talk about mentorship. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I have six children myself. What? It's fun, what? fun to be a dad, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, lots of lots of excitement, never-ending adventure. Stop, John. Stop. You say that. That's <laughs> like, I have six Porsches. Six children in Utah. This is like not a big deal, but in Florida, where I'm from, that takes a moment of reflection and digestion, sir. Keep yeah, going. you know, it's 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 funny. Like you said, in Utah, you know, there's larger than average families in Utah. You think? <laughs> um, my my wife and I are both from very large families, so in comparison, uh, we're slacking. Um, I'm from a family of eight kids. My wife's from the family of an ele- eleven kids. So. Um, a, a generation removed, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've, uh, dialed it down a notch. Slacker. <laughs> Quitter. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, again, thank you for joining me and, and, uh, what a great, uh, background you have uh, an incredible podcast, incredible, um, uh, thought leadership that you're a part of. And, uh, you're, you're just North of me, you know, we could have, uh, yeah hopped in the car and spent about 25, 30 minutes and we would have been in the same room together. Um, yet we're, we're joining virtually. Um, 
today, as we get started, uh, maybe you could share with us your most recent release. I believe it's your most recent release, yeah. Master Mentors. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit more about that book. And then I want to explore uh, this idea of transformational insights and how sure. that can drive the way we, we guide our mentorship. Sure. So just in September, my book, Master Mentors, came out from HarperCollins. It, in essence, is a compilation of 30 transformational insights that I wanted to share from the On Leadership podcast series that I host. After the first year or two of about 100 interviews, I began to realize, John, and this has been your experience, I'll bet, oftentimes the big golden nuggets are shared when we stop taping, right, off air or just before air or perhaps, you know, in the metaphorical green room. So with permission and the endorsement of 30 of our first guests, I wrote a chapter about each of them. Light, easy, breezy, kind of chicken soup for the leadership soul, 2021, if you will. And I, it's fairly episodic by strategy. HarperCollins caught the vision. It's the first book in a 10-volume series where each year I'll be releasing a new version with 30 new mentors from the podcast. That was the criteria of being in the book is you had to have interviewed and been on the podcast. It's done extraordinarily well. We're north of 10,000 copies sold in the first six weeks. We're very pleased with the progress. I think it hit a sweet spot. I think it hit a book that was what people were looking for. It was inspirational for some transformational. Not every one of the 30 insights will be transformative for you. Some of you are in different roles and have survived hopefully this storm known as the pandemic and the great resignation differently. But with the, with the, the endorsement of a lot of these people, Seth Godin, Dan Pink, Liz Wiseman, Susan Cain, General McChrystal, and others from all walks of life. These stories, I think, will hit different people differently where they are. And I'm well now into finishing the manuscript for the second book, Master Mentors Volume 2, and starting the third as well. We're going to get more into those transformational insights, um, but are there any specific takeaways from these leaders uh, that you would like to highlight or, or focus on um, before sure. we, we go further? You know, John, when I first pitched this book to a publisher, by the way, a publisher that is um, a big Scott Miller fan, and they've published two of my books that were bestsellers, they declined. They thought it was too episodic. They thought it was, they needed a red thread, like everything has to, you know, come back to baseball or leadership. I didn't like that idea. And so they are kind of episodic, right? I interview a a world-renowned neuroscientist and psychiatrist on brain health and someone on introversion and somebody else on messaging. So all the chapters are very different. But what's common about these people, I think, are two things. And sometimes not everybody agrees with me on this idea. One is that they have an abundance mentality. These people are inherently abundant. They're not a scarce bone in their body, right? They have some fame. They perhaps have some wealth, some more than others but they generally have this desire to help other people, to share their successes, in many cases, share their failures and their messes with others, to teach through them. So they all have a level of vulnerability. I'll tell you also what they also have is they just are hard workers. I had a podcast cast recently challenge me uncomfortably for like too long. Oh, so you're saying if I just work hard, I can be successful. You're saying my dad just needed to sell more fruit from the back of his truck. No, I'm not saying that. What I 30 people have in common is they understand the old-fashioned work ethic. They understand there's no such thing as overnight success. There is overnight fame, and it's often either ill-gotten or fleeting. These people, what they have in common is they've toiled for decades, most of them, in obscurity. You don't see all the mistakes they made, the movie parts that they were denied, 
or the books they launched that you never heard about. All you saw was their inflection point, but it took them decades, many times, many cases, multiple decades of working hard and researching uh, perhaps some horrible events that took them years to recover. So I'd say those are two of the consistent things on these mentors was hard work and an abundance mindset. I'm sure there were others, but those come to yeah, mind immediately. Yeah, I, th those are both really important elements. And I appreciate you acknowledging that hard work is super important. Uh, it can't undo everything. It can't overcome every right. um, every situation we might find ourselves in. And so, you know, we all have different privileges and, and you know, some people's privilege gives them a, a leg up and a kind of a head start, but they still have to work hard. Otherwise, they're not going to get to to great places. And you can overcome a lot with tenacity, grit, resilience and hard work over time. You can't erase, though, all of the the, the the disadvantage paths that you might have for whatever reason. And so it's just good to remember that so that, you know, within the context we are in, we try to make the most of it, uh, recognizing that our situation, our context is different than the next person, um, you know, standing next to us. And so we don't need to judge ourselves according to them. We just, you know, we, we think in terms of our own um, resilience and our own moving forward within the context we're given. It's so valuable because you're right. A lot of us, including me, have privileges that we don't always, you know, have kind of like in our frontal lobe, right? We're not thinking about them. And what I like about this group of people is that they really personify this adage that someone once said, not me. That is what often separates those who are successful from those who are unsuccessful is they're just willing to do what other people aren't. A great example is there's a, a woman who works for me very much part-time right now. And I just hired her for a new role. I don't know if she's college educated. We have different backgrounds, different levels of sophistication, interests, but this woman always shows up and she shows up looking like a million bucks. She is early, she is energy effuser, she is dressed for success, she is complimentary, she is positive, and she has put herself in front of me on numerous occasions. And I've just hired her for three roles in this company every one of which she will crush. Not because she necessarily has the education or the technical experience. We don't, we don't live in the same circles. That's not a compliment or a detriment to either of us, but she always shows up as an energy infuser. And that has, um, that has shaped my perception of her. And I think she's on track for an amazing career because of her hard work, of her discipline. She gets up early and she, whenever, I'm telling you, whenever she shows up, she looks like a million bucks. She's, she's just presents herself well, and she's complimentary. And these, these are skills that everybody can implement, right? These are just common social skills. These are, it's called good manners. It's called putting yourself in a position to be noticed and to be thought about. And so I do think hard work and preparation leads to luck and opportunity. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, people talk about creating your own luck, right? And I, I think about some of the things, some of the opportunities I have today um, that I laid the groundwork for a decade or more ago, right? Um, so if you have to play the long game, you have to recognize that there are things you're doing right now through your discipline, through your hard work, that eventually you'll learn the lessons, you'll develop the relationships, expand your network, and then 
you know, they may not bear immediate fruit, but in the long run, new opportunities will emerge and you can't. People will notice you, right? People will recognize this. You may, they may not right then and there, but you'll build a pattern for yourself, a reputation. You'll behave yourself into a reputation of being competent and trustworthy and willing. And those are things that, you know, you can't teach. These are people that, these are skills that you develop in many cases over time. Yeah. And the world is full of a lot of really smart people who don't accomplish much of anything. <laughs> um, and, and do you, do you one, mean me? One, do you mean me? <laughs> I, you know, pointing to myself at times, you know, but I think uh, the hard work really goes a long way in just producing consistently over time and building that reputation, like you said. So and well said. Be, being the smartest person in the room doesn't necessarily get you to your end goal. You have to have not just IQ, but EQ. You have to uh, focus on relationships and you ha- just have to be consistent over time. I would not know. I'm often, I often think I'm the smartest person, but I'm clearly not. People ask me all the time, Scott, how do you have four books out in this podcast and this book club and this podcast? Well, I get up at four o'clock every morning, like clockwork, every morning, seven days a week. And I work hard. And I also deliver on real results. I make and keep commitments. I apologize when I am wrong. I acknowledge when I'm going to be late, but I have built a reputation of not being the genius, not being the most talented, not being the most educated. And and recognizing that, yeah, recognizing that and then surrounding yourself with people who are better and smarter and greater experts than you, right? That's the trick. Every one of them, including my wife. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Um, So let's, let's unpack this idea of transformational insights. Uh, what is that exactly? What do you mean? And clearly within your book, you, you present many of what you consider to be these transformational insights. Explain that a little bit more to us. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. I mean, I get it's a lofty promise, right? I mean, after I wrote it, I thought, well, gosh, that's ambitious. And I had to put every one of these chapters through that lens. The book is titled Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. And I'll tell you, in many ways, I wrote the book about what spoke to me, maybe not right in that moment, but as a new father, as a terminated employee, as an entrepreneur, as someone struggling to pivot post-pandemic or reinvent myself or disrupt myself. 
someone moving in and out of relationships. And so I recognize that not every one of these chapters will be transformative for every person who reads it right then and there. Not possible. You can't please everyone. But I'm quite certain that if you read this book, you can read it in three hours. It's a plain wide book. That you're going to find many things that hit you exactly where they needed to based on where you are on your own journey. Transformative meaning, do they challenge your paradigm? Does it kind of rock your world? Does it require you to ask yourself, do I have the right perspective? Is my perspective relevant? Am I willing to change my mind? Am I open to be influenced? Am I open to feedback on my blind spots? And so for me, transformative means that it changes your mind and it changes your behaviors, therefore it changes your results. And I'll tell you, every one of these spoke to me at some different level, that's why I wrote about it. I picked one insight from each guest, one idea, wrote a story about it, oftentimes with me as an example, both positive and negative, or someone else. And I think if you read the book, you'll find many of them to hit you where you are right now, or perhaps where you're going to find yourself later in life as well. Yeah, and when I think of transformational, I, I think of growth, <clears throat> continued yep. development, yeah. um, and transform means change, right? And so if, if we're satisfied with where we're at, we're probably not striving and seeking for that transformation and it's not going to happen. We're going to continue more with the status quo, but if we're constantly looking for um, new ways of understanding the world and, and thinking and growing and stretching ourselves um, and exercising that intellectual muscle around change, then transformation is possible. The book delivers on exactly that premise. I, mean, I, I could, I could, I could right now, reference five or six chapters that talk about, you know, act or be acted upon, you know, disrupt yourself or be disrupted quite assuredly. Uh, I could talk about a lot of the mentors that I feature in the book because I don't think you have to know your mentor. I named it Master Mentors because I wanted to help redefine the definition of what it means to have a mentor, to be a mentor. Most of my mentors don't even know I'm alive. I've never met them. They've never met me. People that I've read their books or watched their uh, keynote speeches from afar, people I've never met in person. You don't have to be down the hall or up on the eighth floor or on a Zoom call to be mentored or to be a mentor. But I think mentors should also be mentees simultaneously so they're always growing themselves. These people are my mentors, whether they acknowledge it or not, formally or informally. I get to decide if you are my mentor. You get to decide if you choose to formalize the relationship. But I don't have to know you or to ask you to mentor me to be open to your wisdom, to your guidance. Your journey can be different than mine, but I can still take your wisdom, your successes and your failures and learn from them. In fact, in most cases, yeah. John, I go to people that have um, been divorced three times to learn how to have a great marriage. I go to people that have had multiple bankruptcies to learn how to become a millionaire. I can't replicate your successes in most cases. I don't have your personality. I don't have your charisma. I don't have your hair. I don't have your education. But I can't avoid your mistakes. And so contrary to a lot of people's thoughts, your mentors should be your heroes and they should be perfect. I don't agree at all. I think lots of times I'll go to people that have had massive failures to say, tell me what you did. Tell me what you said. Tell me what you were thinking. Because I can avoid your mistakes probably more likely than I can replicate your successes. 
Yeah, yeah, that that holds true to my experience. Uh, there are so many people that I've looked to as models over the years in my career, at, you know, different stages. And like you said, most of them don't know who I am, or if they know who I am, they don't know that I've been watching them intently right. Right. <laughs> for right. years or, or decades. Um, and, and to your point, some of the best lessons I've learned have been from the bad experiences or the yes. bad examples where I've learned what not to do, as well as, you know, the people modeling things that I should try to do. And so if we're constantly interacting with the world that way and looking for examples and looking for learnings uh, through our various daily interactions, we're going to find them uh, because that's the way the world is. We, we just have rich interactions um, sometimes very painful, but rich in learning. Some of my greatest insights have come from people that have made colossal public failures, whether it be, you know, affairs with their spouses, bankruptcies, perhaps even something that became a criminal act that was a major mistake, downfall, humiliation for them. In many ways, I see it as a gift to me, not like in a righteous way at all, just in, I wish sometimes maybe I'll do this is I'll let people know when you did that, you paid a rough price for that. But can I tell you what a gift that gave me? I, I don't mean for it to be glib. I don't mean for it to me sound righteous. I mean for it to be, my intent is to generally say, if there is any silver lining, your behavior, your action, your lesson has had a profound impact on me. And I have learned from you, not to shame you, but to validate that there is some benefit of your action and I hope that helps you because it helped me. Yeah, yeah. I hope I your really listeners like and viewers interpret what I said in the right way, the way I mean it. Yeah, I, I think I, I understand what you mean, and I, you. I appreciate that. Um, it, it really is important for us to, to look for lessons everywhere and to express the gratitude to those who impact us. I'm a big believer that we should never suppress a kind thought. So when someone is impactful, we should be open about that and share that with them and let them know how they benefited us in our lives. And, you know, I, so I try to practice that. I'm not perfect at it, but, you know, I, I imagine there are many people over the years who get a random email from this guy they don't even really know um, where I ex I'm expressing gratitude and they may not even read it. They may not even care, but maybe they do. And at least, um, you know, I, they do. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good exercise to just practice um, sharing that kind of gratitude. So it's good for me uh, to, to try to practice that. And I hope that some people read those and recognize that I'm, I'm being sincere and, and I really appreciate what they've done for me. Yeah, well said, nicely said. So in, in our remaining time, um, I'm wondering if, if you wanna point out maybe just one or two of the kind of consistent challenges and struggles that you see in leadership today based on some of these lessons from your book, from your podcast, or just your, your successful career? Yeah, one that comes to mind, I was actually on the phone with an executive this morning. And, you know, it's, it's become a cliche, right? The great resignation, but it's very much here and it's not going away because although everybody was in the same storm during the pandemic, we've heard this phrase, we were all on different boats. But I think what is similar is that everybody is reassessing their values. Everyone, what is important to them? professionally, personally. And, you know, people are resigning in droves, but they're not resigning because of all the same reason. You know, everyone's got different reasons. You know, we often hear this phrase called the golden rule, you know, do unto others as we would have them do unto you. Treat others how you want to be treated. 
nonsense. Stop saying that and stop living that. It's absolute bunk. Was it biblical? I hope not, because I don't want to um, go against that. It, but it, it is. It, you know, it's it's a thread in all the major religious traditions. It is. So and, okay, it's certainly so leave a it to Scott Miller to call it bunk, <laughs> right? Thank you for that. The platinum rule. Exactly. Treat others yeah. how they want to be treated. And, and let me jump in, because is the golden rule better than not doing it? Like just going, walking around, treating people of like course. garbage. That's of horrible. Course. And of course the golden rule is better than that, but you're yeah. absolutely right. The platinum rule requires um, empathy. It requires uh, self-understanding and, and patience. It requires us to listen and understand the people we're interacting with. Yeah. And so treating people the way they want to be treated, the way they um, hope to interact, that's that's the key, right? And, and I, who am I to say how someone else uh, should perceive my actions. Um, and so it, it just requires me to listen intently, to develop compassion and empathy, have patience for myself and for others. And when I can do that, that, that really gets far beyond what even the golden rule can provide. So you've heard it here. Scott Miller is undoing um, uh, thousands of years of wisdom. But I think what you said is beautiful. Here's a perfect example. Um, in this organization I consult with, a, a tenured employee resigned this past week, 15 plus years of invaluable institutional knowledge. They left, not to go somewhere. They just left. They were fatigued. They were burnt out. I think they felt unvalued and they quit two weeks notice. And they actually worked on a project that I lead also as a consultant, not full-time, but invaluably. And I attempted to recruit them back as a part-time outside consultant. They're not going anywhere right now. They're just regrouping like hundreds of thousands of people are doing they're just taking some time off and they're regrouping and when i talked with their their soon-to-be former leader i mentioned to this person hey just so you know although they're leading i am considering i'm i i have offered them to stay part-time as a consultant with me on my project and the high and the, the leader said well what was the offer i said well what do you mean and they said well how much are you paying them i said I have no idea. We didn't discuss it. And the person said, well, you just said you gave them an offer. I said, I did. We talked about what are their passions? What are their desires? What are they trying to accomplish? What ignites their genius? You know, could this work in their new reality? And this person was like incredulous that I quote, had made an offer, but couldn't quantify it. I said, you know, we didn't even talk about it. I mean, that's like the least important thing on both of our minds. We'll make that work. And because I think another employee had recently left this leader, they actually did quit over compensation. This leader had this lens that, you know, he who has a hammer thinks everything is a nail. And it's the perfect example of, you know, the modern leader needs to be treating people how they want to be treated. Some want compensation, some want flexibility, some want a voice at the table, some want a different level of respect, some want flexibility, some need, you, know, you name it. And it's a high standard. It's why not everyone should in fact be a leader of people contrary to the leadership industry yeah. it requires an unprecedented level of flexibility and emotional agility and nimbleness and self-awareness and time and exhaustion and patience to be able to understand what language is everybody in your team speaking and you got to learn their language or they're out the new yeah. day yeah very well said well scott it has been a pleasure i know at the time it has flown by we could go on and on and on i imagine all day 
um, but I need to be respectful of your time and let you go uh, onto your other busy um, meetings and, and other work that you have. Before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, where they can find your books, uh, and give us a final word on the topic for today. Thanks, Jonathan. Great conversation. Uh, you can, of course, subscribe to our podcast at franklincovey.com. Just Google On Leadership with Scott Miller, video and audio every week. My books, you can purchase at all bookstores, including Master Mentors on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, local independent bookstores. You can come to my website, scottjeffreymiller.com. Follow me on every possible social platform. Delighted to be here today. Thanks for the spotlight. Thank you. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, check out Scott's books, check out what he and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.